Hello and welcome along to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. If you've been struggling with anxiety or know someone who has been, then this podcast is for you. Today, we're going to be covering some more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve. Ready? Let's dive in. Is your diet helping or hurting you? I've had a look at the science and I'm going to share with you how food affects your brain and how it might be impacting on your anxiety. Since looking into this, we've made quite a few big changes to our food and lifestyle and have kept it up these past almost three years with great results to our physical and mental health. By the end of this, you'll know the three key ways food affects your brain and what kinds of things to eat more or less of to reduce your anxiety. For exclusive insider information, go to our website and sign up for our email list. Doing so will also give you access to a free relaxation track so you can get started now on improving your anxiety. Now, what we eat affecting our anxiety, our mood, none of this was even touched on back in my clinical psychology studies at university. So when I had someone share that there was research on food and psychological issues, I was like, I bet it's just a few studies with low sample sizes. Otherwise, surely I would have heard about it before now. But I was interested, so I checked it out. I was shocked. There's hundreds of thousands of studies, and not just small research. I'm talking well-designed, large studies. So what's been found? Well, it's actually pretty well established that our diet can play a role in the prevention and treatment of brain-based disorders like anxiety and depression, and that diets that are high in carbohydrates, sugar, etc., junk food diets, are associated with increased risk of mental health disorders. What we currently know can be boiled down to inflammation, nutrients, and microbiome. Firstly, inflammation. Your immune system becomes activated when your body recognizes anything that is foreign, such as an invading microbe, plant pollen, or chemical. This often triggers a process called inflammation. Occasional bouts of inflammation to stop invaders protect your health. However, sometimes inflammation persists, day in and day out, even when you're not threatened by a foreign invader. That's when inflammation becomes a problem. Many of our most common diseases, including cancer, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and depression, have been linked to chronic inflammation. Some of the things we eat can set off our immune system, causing inflammation. You may notice symptoms like poor digestion, including bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, and loose stool, body pain, especially in your joints, skin rashes such as eczema or psoriasis, excessive mucus production, like always needing to clear your throat or blow your nose, low energy despite sufficient sleep, or an exacerbation of current autoimmune conditions. Now, if you're like we were, you might not notice these because they're your status quo. I was eating inflammatory foods every mealtime, so I just thought that a distended stomach was how you knew you were full and that it was normal to get sick five to six times a year. What you also might not notice is the effect on your mental health. This inflammation doesn't just affect your body below your head, your brain gets inflamed too. And this can have effects on your mood and anxiety. See, the inflammation causes oxidative stress, which leads to distress signals in the brain, which can affect your anxiety. You can also have this happen in reverse. You can have a distressing thought, which will cause the release of these distress signals, causing anxiety and inflammation as your body gets you ready to escape from the perceived threat. So you'll want psychological help separate to diet as well. Inflammation plays a key role in the development of depressed mood for some individuals. It dysregulates neurotransmitters that affect mood, damages neurons, and alters neural activity in mood-relevant areas, such as the amygdala and prefrontal cortex. Heightened inflammation alerts the central nervous system to intensify sickness behaviors, including fatigue, loss of enjoyment, increased pain sensitivity, loss of appetite, and cognitive deficits. 
About a third to a half of people with depression show increased markers of inflammation, and these individuals show a really significant response to treatments which reduce inflammation, like dietary changes. The rest seem somewhat more protected from inflammation-based depressed mood, but can still have some benefits from positive lifestyle changes. The foods you'll want to reduce in order to reduce inflammation are sugar in all its many guises, fruit juice, fruit concentrate, corn syrup, etc, etc, and any artificial sweeteners. Alcohol, vegetable oil, trans fats, and anything fried in these fats, gluten, bread, pasta, any refined carbohydrates, anything processed, chips, crackers, refined soy products can be in a form that is unhelpful to us or contains chemicals our immune system will react to, meaning inflammation. Some of these foods have also been implicated in affecting our intestinal permeability, meaning things that shouldn't be passing through that semi-permeable membrane for the immune system to react to, and more inflammation. Foods you'll want to eat more of to reduce your inflammation. Broadly, you want more fruits like berries, cherries, oranges, and tomatoes, green leafy vegetables such as spinach, kale, and collards, healthy fats like avocado and olive oil, nuts like walnut and almonds, and fatty fish like wild salmon, tuna, mackerel, and sardines. These reduce inflammation through things like antioxidants, which tackle oxidative damage. I'm talking broadly as to get a significant effect, you'll want to implement this broadly with the inclusion of lots of these foods. You'll see lots of articles on the net advocating Brazil nuts, or turmeric, or blueberries to reduce inflammation. And all of these are great and have been shown in the research to reduce inflammation. However, research also shows that you don't get much effect if you just eat a few blueberries in your muffin, or some tomato in your burger. Take the research on fish oil, for example. If you take a fish oil supplement, you get some effect. However, you get a much greater effect by including more seafood in your week-by-week -week diet. So you'll see a lot of the research now focusing on overall dietary patterns rather than specific ingredients. These diets, like the Mediterranean diet or DASH diet, involve eating lots of vegetables, fruit, healthy fats, and seafood. Which brings us nicely to another important factor when talking about how what we eat impacts on anxiety, nutrients. There's some great research being done right here in New Zealand on this, down in Canterbury University. As it turns out, the brain needs nutrients to work. A lot of nutrients. In fact, the brain uses up 20-50% to 50 of our energy and nutrients. When it's running short of these, we get problems with anxiety, depression, ADHD, and PTSD, among other things. Now you may be thinking, nutrient deficiencies are for third world countries. We have plenty of food. However, not all foods have an effective amount of nutrients in them. I call them filler foods, and RDI's recommended daily intakes are based on how much we need to prevent obvious conditions like scurvy. There's much we don't know about how much more we need for optimum functioning. In fact, research is showing that topping up our micronutrients, our vitamins and minerals, can significantly improve recovery from anxiety, trauma, depression, ADHD, and even addictions. And for that reason, we want to be eating the most nutrient-dense foods we can find. There is research on what micronutrients our brain specifically needs more of, like folate, omega-3, B12, and selenium. And there's research identifying the nutrient profiles of various foods to optimize brain health. You've got first, vegetables, with watercress and spinach at the top of that list. Second, organ meats like liver, spleen, and kidneys. Third, fruits like lemon and papaya. And fourth, seafood, especially bivalves like oyster, clam, and mussels. Did you know that eating more vegetables has been found to be more effective than medication for depressed mood? And if you think you're getting enough, think again. The research on this shows that only 5% of adults and 0.5% of children are eating the recommended level of vegetables. 
and you're going to need some tiny friends in your gut, helping you break down and digest these vegetables. Which brings us to our microbiome. Our microbiome, the bacteria in our gut, is a hot topic right now, so you've probably heard of this term. Basically, bacteria aren't just the villains I grew up with them as. Fuzzy, brightly coloured beings lurking in the toilet waiting to get you if you don't wash your hands. There are actually ones that are essential for our health. They help break down food, produce necessary vitamins, neutralise toxins and protect us from disease. Turns out our bodies are made up of more bacterial cells than human cells. You could say we're more of an ecosystem than a single entity. Research is showing that we have two-way communication going on between the gut and the brain. Physical and psychological stresses can affect our microbiota's type and metabolic activities, and signals produced by the microbiota can affect our brain and our emotional responses. The emerging role of the microbiome as a possible key player in the regulation of mood, cognition and anxiety suggests that we are only beginning to discover the potential of food as medicine. Diet plays a key role in determining what kind of microbiome we have. For example, foods with the type of fibre that helpful bacteria eat is labelled prebiotic, and eating it can mean you can maintain your own helpful little colony of microbiota. What human research we have suggests that these microbiota in turn then reduce anxiety and depressive symptoms through reducing gut permeability and thus inflammation, as well as their ability to interact with the central nervous system and calm adrenal activity. Foods you would want less of are those that feed pathogenic, unhelpful bacteria, and foods that kill probiotic, helpful bacteria. Foods that feed pathogenic bacteria are sugar and all its alternate forms, and foods fried in vegetable oil, which seems to break down into unhelpful substrates. Foods that kill off our probiotic friends are anything with pesticides or other chemicals that can harm them, like chlorinated and fluoridated tap water, depending on a number of factors of course grains and soy products that are not processed in a traditional manner, then there's antibiotics and foods with antibiotics in them. For example, dairy, meat, eggs and farmed fish that are not organic. Personally, we've found that we can eat organic dairy with no ill effects, whereas I get gut inflammation and Becky gets depressed mood from non-organic dairy. Now, you may find that changing your diet away from these can cause intense cravings. Research indicates that the kind of bacteria we have in a majority can determine what food we crave. There's a theory that when they're starving, they generate a signal, which produces certain neurotransmitters in our brains, causing us to feel rewarded by going after these foods. So the sugar-loving ones are going to reward you for, yes, sugary foods like cake and bacon, and they don't just affect reward pathways. In one study, scientists took germ-free mice and transplanted the microbiome from humans with depression. The mice then exhibited what appeared to be behavioural symptoms of depression. In another study, scientists bred two sets of mice for certain behavioural characteristics. One type that were more anxious and shy, and one type that were bold and outgoing. They then took a microbiome sample from each, sanitised their guts of bacteria, and then transplanted the microbiome of the opposite type into each set of mice. Their behavioural characteristics switched with the change in microbiome. The shy mice became bold mice, and the bold mice became shy mice. Yes, this is with mice, and we can't ethically do the same with humans. However, a recent correlational study of young adults found that those who ate more probiotic-filled fermented foods had lower rates of social anxiety, and those who ate less had higher rates of social anxiety. We can't tell the direction of this correlational relationship. Do probiotics reduce social anxiety, or do people with low social anxiety eat more fermented foods? 
However, other research would strongly suggest that probiotics do in fact help soothe anxiety through their interaction with our central nervous system. So, foods to eat more of would be fermented foods that have probiotic bacteria in them like yogurt, kimchi, kombucha, unpasteurized sauerkraut, miso and kefir. These have long been utilized to help preserve foods as lots of helpful bacteria keep unhelpful ones out. These also bring out the beneficial properties of foods or help break them down for us. You may not have encountered many of these as more recently we've tended towards using fridges, freezers and preservatives. But doing this misses out on all those beneficial properties. You can take probiotic supplements which can come with larger doses of bacteria. You'll want to get them in the 50 to 150 billion range for a significant effect. You will also want food for your probiotics, often called prebiotics. Research with animals shows that we can take on positive bacteria from nearby individuals just by changing our diet to be chocked full of prebiotics. Foods with high amounts of prebiotic fiber to feed your microbiome with are garlic and onions, leek and asparagus, dandelion, chicory, and Jerusalem artichoke. In general though, eat more fruit and vegetables and you'll be getting more prebiotic fiber for your little colony of sea monkeys. They break these fiber-rich foods down into short-chain fatty acids, which, believe it or not, are anti-inflammatory. So all of these tips have compounding effects for your health. Now I want to hear from you. What are you going to try first to supercharge your microbiome? Grab a supplement with a few billion of the little guys? Or will you go on a taste bud adventure and try a new fermented food? Thank you for listening to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. That's it for this week's episode. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to click the follow button and please do share this with your family and friends. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. That's at Anxiety Specialists. And if you're interested to learn how you can live an anxiety-free life, you can get our epic Anxiety Reducer Guide absolutely free so you can get started right away on getting your anxiety back down. Just grab the link in the show notes. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to learn next. I am your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. And we're going to be back next week with more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve.